This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Attention BetMGM customers. Have a friend who loves sports as much as you do? Here's a chance for both of you to earn a $50 bonus when they sign up through BetMGM's Refer-A-Friend program. Just sign into your BetMGM account and click on the Refer-A-Friend program to send your friend a message inviting them to register a new account in the same state you use BetMGM in. Once your friend signs up and makes a deposit, they'll receive a $50 bonus. And once your friend places a bet with their bonus and the wager is settled, you'll receive a $50 bonus as well. Share the excitement and get a $50 bonus every time you refer a friend to BetMGM. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years of age or older to wager. Ohio only. New and existing customer offer. All promotions are subject to qualification and eligibility requirements. Rewards issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets. Bonus bets expire in 30 days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. Hi folks, welcome to another episode of Film Study. This is Ken McCusick. We're here to have a not fun conversation about the Ravens offense from that game against Cincinnati. The defense played so well. The offense gave away everything the defense did. Here to talk to me about is Jordan Coe. Jordan, thanks for coming on to do this very difficult episode. Yeah, thanks for having me. I, I know you saved the, the good ones for me, Ken. <laughs> <laughs> you're uh, you're worth every penny. Uh, give us a, give your Twitter handle before we get started here. Yeah, you guys can check me out uh, at Raven Sit Room on Twitter. All right. Outstanding. He does uh, Raven sit room with Raven situation room. The situation room is what it's actually called. I want to get that, that title right. So you can look for it uh, with Gabe Ferguson. It's uh, right on the same. It's available on the same website on filmstudybaltimore.com. Uh, great stuff comes out right after the game. So it's a, a hot takey kind of look. I'm just kidding. It's a, it's a very <laughs> well thought out, well delivered podcast that I would I would uh, encourage you to do. And sometimes, Jordan, sometimes hot takey. <laughs> <laughs> well, both Jordan and Gabe are very regular guests on this show, and two of my favorite people with whom to talk football. So, Jordan, thanks for coming on again. I need to thank our sponsor, Liquid Death, the water that will brutally murder your thirst. Uh, please give their product a try. They've been good to us. Uh, they have aluminum cans which will not necessarily end up in a landfill because they are actually economical to recycle. Whereas plastic, you're guaranteeing additional landfill waste. And so if, if that matters to you, come for the green, stay for the taste, et cetera, et cetera. I don't need to make up more slogans for them. They've got their own, but, uh, but anyway, good product. Uh, so anyway, we do have some good news for you on this episode because there's going to be a lot of bad, and that is the signing of Roquan Smith today. I'll plug the other pod I did on this with um, uh, with uh, Vaslarikos, and that goes into about it for about 45 minutes to an hour. And uh, pluses and minuses, uh, he's not a big fan of spending money on inside linebacker, and honestly, neither am I. Jordan, where do you sit on the thing? You know, I'm uh, talent is talent, and if you can build your roster out around wherever you're centralizing that talent in the appropriate way and recognize that this is the place that you're going to spend money, so we need to fit other pieces in around it, then I think you can make it work. You know, there, there are plenty of teams that pay inside linebackers that have lots of other talent that they're paying across the board. So I don't think it's holistically debilitating, but you know, you have to 
you have to be in lockstep between the coaches and the front office in terms of how you want to deploy that talent and whether or not you can't just be signing every guy that you think is good if it's not ultimately going to be a good long-term fit to the scheme. And historically, the Ravens have been pretty good about that, that they, you know, they'll let offensive linemen leave when the, when the time seems right. They, it seems like there have been plenty of decisions where they've let guys walk away um, where it was the right call. And so, you know, it's not been perfect. And injuries have played a bigger part, I think, than failure from players um, when they've signed bigger contracts. But I think that, uh, you know, Roquan's added a lot to this team this year, um, and I don't have a problem with the deal. Yeah, he's he's so outplayed where he was with the Bears. Uh, frankly, you know, in looking at at uh, film when he came over, you try and watch a spread of games. So you don't want to watch just as good games as PFF graded him. So PFF, a valuable resource for this kind of thing. Pick some bad games, pick some good games, and look at those and see what Roquan is doing. And you see, there's some missed assignments. There is some problems in coverage that are occurring. That's something Roquan is you know really known for, and 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 is a big upgrade for the Ravens for. Uh, there's nothing like what we're seeing right now in terms of get to the spot tackling. And frankly, there was more problems with tackling that I think he's had here, at least in the stuff I watch. So I, I'm, I'm, I'm thrilled with what Roquan has done for the other players in this defense. I think that's been a big deal. If I had to cite another potential value for this is um, the Ravens are probably not going to pay two inside linebackers. Patrick Queen has signed for two years. And right now, and as soon as they give him the fifth-year option, he probably has some significant trade value at this point. Yeah, and he's he's played better, and you know potentially maybe even another year with Roquan, and then the option he could still be carrying even more value as they try and move that forward. So I, I think it's likely that he doesn't stay. But you know the other thing to remember about Patrick Queen is he's really young. Um, he's come a long way in his development from where mm-hmm. he was at the same time last year, and if he can if those strides can continue to grow and McDonald can find ways to use him. And Patrick Queen is a fantastic blitzer. I think he's the perfect pair to go with Roquan. Um, given age, I, I think it's it's certainly worth keeping an eye on, but he's a valuable asset for sure. Yeah, I, I, I completely agree. And I do think if they're going to trade him, they'll probably trade him this year. I think he has a lot more value, but um, there's maybe one other consideration that we're going to, I promise you, we'll get back to talking about the offense from this week. Uh, the, the other consideration I have is there have yeah there have been a lot of failed first round draft picks at inside linebacker specifically in recent years and I think there's been an overvaluation of the position in particular in the year the two Devons were drafted Devin White and Devin Bush number five and number ten overall neither of them has really worked out to the degree those teams would like Devin Bush did get it sorry Devin White did get extended to the fifth year Devin Bush did not and is and is gone now. From the uh, from the Pittsburgh Steelers, he's no longer a Pittsburgh Steeler as of the beginning of the league year. He'll be a free agent, so it's uh, you know it's not a sure thing. And uh, you know the Ravens' Patrick Queen pick was kind of a risky pick to start with, based on his his very limited history at the position. Uh, you know, combined with the COVID year and combined with some other stuff, it took a long time for him to de- to develop into who he is right now. Yeah, and and like you know my my bottom line on this all is talent is talent. You know, and and that that is how you ultimately win football games. And you can do all these things with a cap and play all these play all these number games and do all that. But you want players that can make tackles that have big impacts in games that are going to have big moments and big plays. And and Roquan can be one of those guys. He can be a difference maker in a playoff game in a high leverage moment if you need him. Um, and I like guys like that. I like spending money in, in, on guys that can be like that. OK, I, well, I do, too. And I also like a, getting a 25 year old instead of a 29 yeah. year old. At at, uh, at this point, so this is a very exciting uh, uh, pickup for the Ravens, and uh, and hopefully this is a cornerstone player. But great time to buy a Roquan jersey, by the way, because yeah. he's going to be here for five years. <laughs> Looks like he's going to be a cornerstone. You know, this this is the time to buy into a player at the right time on, in in terms of their jersey pick. I'm going to buy one this offseason. I think. Uh, let's talk about the offense going forward. And, and I, you know, maybe this is a kind of a bridge anyway, is, is the feeling about 2023, did it get better today with the Roquan signing? And now the kind of the relief that there won't be, you know, two marquee free agents. There's one tag still to be employed. Not, I mean, if they want to keep both players, they can for sure. That's now in the Ravens hands, as opposed to one of the players hands. Yeah. I I mean, 
and this is an offensive podcast, so I can, mm-hmm. you know, cite the elephant in the room. I'm optimistic about 2023 because they have to change coordinators. You know, the, the the direction that this team has taken and what they've tried to accomplish with this co- coordination and this personnel needs a refresh, no matter however you feel about whatever the iteration of that is, it needs a refresh. And I think that I assume Lamar is going to be back next year just because he has to be the, the, the first year of a tag is worth it for a quarterback in my opinion. And so add in that a different coordinator, whether Lamar gets to say, you know, Bobby Petrino was a guy that I was kind of hoping could be a guy that the Ravens looked at because he is full comfortable with Lamar runs a pro style offense. But if they can find a guy that really fits in and can motivate Lamar to, to really push next year and he's back. I, I don't see any reason why you can't be really excited about 2023. Cliff Kingsbury, I always say it wrong. Cliff Kingsbury, another guy whose name has been mentioned. And uh, I think one of the important things maybe to take out of this or, or, or think about anyway, is how do the Ravens, first of all, wed themselves to Lamar a little closer in this process and say, why don't you be part of the process? And I don't know exactly what that means because it can't absolutely mean he has veto power and certainly not until he's under contract or whatever. But even while not under contract, if he's part of the interview process, I think that would go away towards doing this. And if Lamar has serious objections about a player, voices them even before he's signed, I think that would go a long way to the Ravens not hiring that guy. Yeah, I would like a pro style as opposed to a spread style offensive coordinator. I think the personnel fits a lot better than that. And and Cliff Kingsbury, Kingsbury, Kingsbury. I, I don't actually know yeah. if it's Kingsbury Cliff Kingsbury. Kingsbury. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I think in that sense, the fit might not totally be there. I also think from a coaching perspective, John Harbaugh does not want to run a full spread, high speed, kind of high risk offense. So it's got to be something a little bit more in between that. Um but I do think Lamar has to be bought in on what that looks like, especially, you know, we're seeing that right now where, you know, whether Lamar could have played last week or not, whether Lamar can play this upcoming week or not, there's got to be things other than just a, there's got to be culture around that that makes him want to play through some of those challenges potentially. Otherwise, when you are on the tag, it's not guaranteed long term, yada, yada, yada. Um, it can be a little bit more challenging. So you you got to give them some say. And franchise quarterbacks are talent is talent, right? And franchise quarterbacks is the best place to have talent. And so you've got to pay to play in dollars and you've got to pay to play in influence. And, you know, we've seen that all around the league, not just with Lamar. And and leaving him out of this will, I think, leave a pretty bad taste in his mouth overall. Right. I, I would agree. I mean, I think it has to be part of the process anyway. I think it makes sense for the coordinator not to be, you know, walking into a bear trap if Lamar and he don't get along right off the bat. And we, we, we know Joe Flacco had a bunch of different offensive coordinators and, and some of the ones he had for, for a while, and Cameron was for a while here, he, they, they, there was a, a personal battle that was going on that was clear in the way he would even say his name. That, that is, was, you know, it wasn't uh, what was ideal for, for that kind of a relationship. So, you know, Roman and Lamar actually had, I think, a very good long-term relationship here that extends all the way back to 2018 to his rookie year when I guess he was the run game coordinator there or was he the offensive? He was the run game coordinator because he was under Morningweg at that point. All right. So anyway, we're both in agreement on that one. I I know Bishotti being the master of hiring and whatnot, we'll, we'll put a good process around this. Hopefully while not taking away from Harbaugh, he'll advise Harbaugh in what makes good personnel sense to 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 do this at least it'll be discussed at a fairly high level um let's get back to the to the offense here a little bit though we got four quarterbacks maybe who might start this game for the ravens certainly three okay and there's always a chance that something goes wrong um you see my percentages in the notes i sent you in advance what would you give as a percentage for each of those quarterbacks starting this game based on what we know now and this is important to timestamp this it's 10 17 p.m we don't know if lamar jackson is practicing tomorrow on wednesday it's 10 17 on tuesday night um so we don't know that yet we do not have that information good things instagram photos that maybe have some positive nature to them some other things but we don't know what would you say in terms of the percentage chance for each quarterback. Yeah, I, I have it completely different than you. Well, I, I have uh, Huntley in the same range. I think I think there's an 80 to 85% chance that Lamar plays in this game. Wow. Um, and the reason I think that is because 
it doesn't Lamar brings more to this team in processing and arm ability than he does either Huntley or Brown outstanding of his ability to run the ball. So even if and neither Lamar of them bring anything as runners, so. <laughs> right. right. And and not a whole lot as passers. Yeah. Right. And, and so, so even if Lamar has to be stationary in the pocket, even if it is in some of these situations, you're just going to have to eat it and get down, protect your leg. We're in the know on that. We're not going to you know any of these option stuff is not actually going to be designed for you. They can take all that stuff out of the game as long as he can play with a brace and and it's not too much of a risk from his from his knee perspective i think that i think they'll let him play to throw the ball I, the the value that that lamar brings with his trust with mark andrews um and all of those pieces that come with that and just the threat of even him i i think you've got to find a way to make him active on game day in some form or another just to put that into Cincinnati's head. Like, like I, I would be shocked even if he ultimately doesn't play, if Lamar isn't at practice tomorrow, if only to force Cincinnati to have to prepare like Lamar is going to play. Now, that makes sense to me. The first thing you did wasn't the, the getting him in a head, his head wasn't going to work. If he's if he just is activated on game day, Cincinnati's done all that preparation at that point. It's too late for them to change. So they're gonna, they're gonna do what they do. But but I I I Anyway, I think the injury report tomorrow is obviously the biggest injury report of the entire season in terms of of uh, who's on it. Marcus Peters uh, needs to be back and playing, or at least it to be explained away as just a rest day and not any anything having to do with an injury. Well, um, he practiced in full last week through the week. It was just that he didn't play. Okay, did he? Because he practiced before. He, he practiced. Be- yeah, he practiced. Well, he might have been limited, but he still practiced before okay. Campbell. He came back the day before Campbell did to practice. And I think it was just conservation of Peters, but it's not just Peters. It's Eitler. It's Andrews. It's right. Jackson. I mean, there there are a handful of guys that that are are valuable from this decision perspective. But I think it's real. I, I I would be. I think that if Lamar, so and you've got it clocked at Lamar at thirty five percent. I think if it's mm-hmm. genuinely that Lamar only has a thirty five percent chance to play, I think that that means that there's a very high percentage that Lamar is not on this team next year. I, I think that the percentage just just got to be a lot higher than that. I mean, it's it's it certainly is a is a risk that because you're you're saying that if Lamar doesn't play, it means something about Lamar is what you're going. I'm just not willing to go that far. No, I think no, it doesn't mean anything about. Sorry, and I, not to cut you off there. It not, I, it's not an interpretation of Lamar. It's an interpretation of how Lamar will treat his body without a long term guaranteed contract. But that, so, that is that is it's more about Lamar because he's he's making the choice. To, to not play because he doesn't have the contract. That's what you're saying, I think. It is what I'm saying. I okay. think that's just as much about the team that is about Lamar. <laughs> okay. Uh, I, I, but it's Lamar's decision ultimately. I mean, one of the things about this, I don't want to get into to, 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 to any kind of Lamar thing here. I think that basically if Lamar's PCL is a grade two strain and he's really not ready to go at this point, the injury is not responded in the way they expect. I think the Ravens will still be able to go into this offseason, do the appropriate things to get Lamar re-signed. It is a crappy situation for the fans to have a season lost like this at the end. Uh, and, you know, we've been loyal fans the whole year. We've we've gone to the games and, uh, you know, this is this is a this is a really bad way for the season to end. But on the other hand, if they if if Lamar can be re-signed and and, you know, it's, it's not a hard feeling situation, which it has been with some players. Then I think you know it, it'll be okay. Uh, is there a possibility that the Ravens say, "Well, this is three straight seasons Lamar hasn't finished," including the you know the quarter or so in Buffalo where he was hurt for the for the playoff game in 2020? I, I guess it's possible, and I certain certainly think it's possible when you have a a difficult contract situation that the team is is bound to look at offers anyway in terms of trade. And I think that's the greater risk of Lamar being here. Not, I, I really don't think it's going to be about, you know, we thought you should have played and and you didn't want to. You let your teammates down, uh, even though you could have with this with this injury. Yeah, and I think that's the extreme end of how I mean it. I mean, I, it's certainly an interpretation. I think it's just you know where the decision process is. I guess even more so for me, it's like does Lamar try to put a brace on and go to practice, even if it's just light throwing and jogging, spend. Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, getting used to what it's like in a brace, getting ready to play and seeing if it's a possibility on Sunday, at least getting on the field, testing it, taking the shot, the ice, whatever, like whatever you've got to do in advance of the game 
to decide whether or not you're going to do it, test it. And then if he decides he doesn't want to do it, that's one thing. I think if it's a Lamar doesn't practice at all this week and doesn't play at all, to me that just – and again, this is all conjecture. It just feels a little different. And I think, you know, I don't think he would ever lose the locker room. Um, it, you know, it's never it, – none of it is to that extreme. It's just a question of, well, okay, you add in the injury risk and you add in all these other things, you know, and now I've got – so-and-so bearing down saying they're going to trade us this whole vault of a package on this. And it makes it a little easier for Baltimore to say yes to something like that. It's it's more of that. There is going to be some significant pressure on Baltimore to say yes. If the bears or the jets or the giants or any one of another half dozen teams that is starved for a decent quarterback offers us their recent failed number one, who could be Zach Wilson, Daniel Jones, uh, you know, you go around the league at the other teams who need quarterbacks and then says, and you can have you know three number one draft picks. Or, you know, the, the big one that's been discussed a little bit today is how about Justin Fields and the number one overall pick? How about Justin Fields and the number six overall pick? Do you do that? I mean, I Oh, I I, I I would I would think about you think about it, right? I still want Lamar. I still I still I still think Lamar at his best is one of the four or five best players in the league. And Justin Fields is nowhere near that at this mm-hmm. point. And any future draft pick is not worth that. So you know, and again, I think the preparation of this week will tell us a lot, which is that is there an opportunity to test this? Is there an opportunity to get comfortable with the brace? Yeah. You know, it's swelling is swelling. And I can understand why a player is unable to play through that. I, I just want to see there to be some progress towards whether or not Lamar's really meaningfully making a decision on that or just kind of stepping away from it. Effort to practice would go so far in terms of doing a brace, but he's probably already wearing a brace as he rehabs and trying to figure out, can I practice on this? So it might not be completely fair, but you know, as Ravens fans, we're looking for limited or full to be on the Lamar Jackson line, you know, come Wednesday. And if he's, you know, a, a limited or full rehabber with a brace, we can't see it. So you know, it's true. Uh, well, I don't think uh, we've seen him with the brace on the sidelines of any of these games that he's been at. And at least if he has been, it's not, it's not been talked about. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's significant. Um, and it seems that it, you know, from all the chatter, at least it's not structural. It's just that there's still swelling, um, and it won't seem to go away. Oh, okay. Let's move on. Let's talk about sure. the offense a little bit. So, <laughs> so, uh, I, I have it as 50 Brown, 35 Lamar, 14 Huntley and one Hundley. Um, Hundley would only be if, if something happened to Brown through this week during practice, obviously, but I actually think Brown is the most likely a player to start this game. I think Huntley is from what I can see, his arm is nothing. So I think they're ready to give up on this year. He probably is behind Brown at this point in terms of the, 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 any kind of competition for next year in large part, because he'll be a fourth year player and Brown will be a second year player. So that scares, that scares, (laughs) that scares the daylights out of me. Or you get somebody else. Yeah, I think it's more 80-20 Lamar Brown. You know, Huntley, obviously, you know, not being able to throw the ball. They, like, you, you you know, that that's a total non-starter. So, okay. um, all right. Well, fair enough. I, I may have Huntley too high, too, in terms of uh, of that. Uh, Edwards, another guy we really haven't talked about in terms of injury, but if he can't clear concussion protocol, that's going to be a huge, huge hit to the Ravens, uh, who I think any way you look at it, they've probably got to still lean on the run game to try and shorten this football game. I think that's the the Ravens path to victory in this one. Yeah. You know, in most, in most ways, I agree with that. Obviously Edwards is also, you know, his vision and power and, and what he brings to this team is valuable in and of its own. Right. So, you know, you, you want to see him be able to be on the field. He had a couple, you know, a couple of the carries in the Cincinnati game, especially the, the first one of the game was mm-hmm. through a nice little hole where the Ravens kind of double team DJ reader right off the bat. I think there are, I think there's a package for Gus Edwards to have value. Um, you know, when we look at what this wild card game is going to be. And so you, you, you hope he's there. Yeah. Yeah, no, I know. It definitely, he's one of the, one of the very key, very key players along with Peter certainly returning for this game. And some of the others we've mentioned um, it, it's an awful game for Brown. But but I want to work through the the Brown section here and just talk about some of the ways that we could potentially see something positive coming out of this. And part of this is structured around my belief that Brown is the most likely to play this game. And I know you're not in complete agreement about that. You're not in agreement at all about, about that, Jordan. Uh, but uh, but somewhere in between the twenty percent of probably uh, that that you have Brown playing and the fifty percent I have him playing is probably the truth. 
about what his chance uh, is to play. So I think we need to we need to take it seriously at least. Um, one of the things that's very striking, and, and I, I I thought from the preseason and maybe just from reputation at, at Oregon and whatnot that he was more of a runner and not as much of a pure pocket passer, but had zero hand, uh, zero runs in this game. He had one sack that almost looked like he was trying to get a run out of it, but but it, honestly. Just got back to an S minus one. He got another, I think he had another S zero as well, actually. So it might have been two times that he they kind of tried to run the ball. But in, in terms of of what he's like, already very different quarterback from Lamar or, or Huntley. Yeah. The, 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 if if Brown is starting this game, the the quarterback option runs just need to be stripped like like Harbaugh needs to tell Roman you can't call those in this game. And and quite frankly, if Huntley plays same thing like like there no one is fooled by those and even if they have to keep them they can't do what is needed to make them successful take them out of the playbook (laughs) yeah i think that's a that's a fairly good chance that that happens because they really didn't do it in this game they 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 put in pony backfield to try some they they put in uh i forget if it was a tight end and a receiver wide receiver and and a running back rather um to try and do an option handoff that ended up going to drake i think on one play. So they, they, they did different things with the mesh point, but it wasn't to let Brown have the ball in the end. It was to, it was to get it to another, uh, to another player. Uh, and they did some RPO things that where they, where they came out of the mesh and, and threw the ball uh, in terms of what Brown brings to the quarterback position at this point, obviously he just played the Bengals. The Bengals are a difficult opponent in terms of, of really anyone they could face. They know the Ravens very well. They took advantage of the Ravens' tackles in this game, and they've generally been pretty effective against whoever the Ravens have had at tackles these last few years. And a quarterback needs to have a high level of pocket awareness against this team. You may see your coworkers cracking open a can in your 9 a.m. stand-up meeting, but it's most likely not beer. It's a new mountain spring water called Liquid Death. You've heard me talk about this many times. Why is it called liquid death? Well, because it'll brutally murder your thirst. Plus, its infinitely recyclable tall boy cans are helping to be a, bring a death to plastic bottles. Did you know plastic's not even really recyclable anymore? It ends up just going to a landfill because it's not profitable to recycle. Meanwhile, aluminum is recyclable and profitable for recycling facilities. You guys know how much I love Liquid Death. It's in everything I do. I take it to work. I take it to the ball club. I take it when I'm out with the kids. I got them here on my can on my desk because I'm recording a podcast. I'm always with it. What's cool now is I'm seeing you guys on Twitter talk about how you're grabbing your cans and going to work. So send me those stories about what you're doing and how you're cracking open a tall boy in odd situations because hey, it's water. And not only is it water, it's the best water that you can go out there and buy. It's cold. You can drink it with whatever you're doing. So go on out there, get Liquid Death at your local Harris Teeter or 7-Eleven, or find a Liquid Death retailer near you with their store locator tool by going to liquiddeath.com slash film study. That's liquiddeath.com slash film study. All right. Sorry. I think we lost Jordan here. He might be coming back here in a second, but we're... we're, just talking about pocket awareness for Brown and you know, he, he does not show much of it. And against a team like the Bengals, it's exceptionally important. Yeah, to- no, totally agree. And, you know, especially it seems as though teams and not just the Bengals, but teams in general have been letting their edge guys just really get after Ravens quarterback since Lamar has gone down. And, and quite frankly, even before Lamar went down and there needs to be some kind of layered piece in there for the Ravens to figure out how to attack that and give the advantage we saw it on the play in the end zone where, I mean, that was such a frustrating play call. Um, <laughs> and you're not doing anybody any favors in that situation, but you see it in those situations where guys are just pinning their ears back, getting isolated against the tackles, and then and then just going at it. You saw it all game long against Pittsburgh. TJ Watt was just flaring, coming firing in off the edge on every single play, and there was other than trying to get Ricard to block him, nothing that they were trying to do behind that or take advantage of that. That's the piece that I think, you know, you're not going to get a lot of pocket awareness around it. Let's see some of those draws. We saw one of the draws, I think, in this Bengals game. Let's see some things to try and attack behind that because teams clearly seem to think that that's the thing that works against the Ravens right now. Yeah, that's a great point. And there have been pass rushers over the history of the National Football League. And Jared Allen is one who comes really to mind who run themselves out of plays pretty pretty regularly. And I think uh, both Hendrickson and Hubbard, 
Hubbard, maybe a little bit less, are both capable of running themselves out of plays as a pass rusher. And it'd be nice if you could run something with a puller that allows that to be punished. So you have one guy taking himself out of the play. Can often be a case. I mean, Ronnie Stanley is very adept at throwing a player by the pocket. Hendrickson is a big body, but but you know you just use the right hander, shove that player out a little bit more to the outside, then you get the draw started. He can't react to that quickly enough, and and you might have a big run off the left side that develops from that. And one maybe even Stanley can get in front of and make a block. So you you uh, you, you certainly can derive an advantage from from that sort of thing. I I like uh, uh, some of the things they've tried to do uh, in that. Of course, the whole uh, pistol read option, the inverted veer kind of stuff they've been running was was all you know a block the end with air and force him to make the wrong decision. Lamar makes it the wrong decision by reading leverage well, and you go. Unfortunately, um, that's not going to work with <laughs> with with Brown because it's not really a threat to run, but also with Brown because nobody else that the Ravens have anyway has Lamar's you know leverage reading capabilities. And I think you can prepare for this game whether it's like Brown is going to start and implement the same game plan with Lamar. It, it, it is not one, especially coming off an injury, not having played in a few weeks with the rust, you don't have to go full bore at it. And you can take this approach where, you know, some of the same things that you're expecting from Brown are the same things that you can build into this. You know, maybe early you flash traditional, if Lamar plays, you can tra- flash kind of traditional Lamar looks and, and force Cincinnati to adjust accordingly and then just revert back to this same approach really really get honed in on this and how you want to attack it use the fact that you get two weeks in a row to play against this team to to really isolate some of that stuff well that, it's a really good point from this is because these teams are playing for a second consecutive weeks week what do the Ravens have that they can pull out of the bag now if they pull Lamar Jackson out they've got a whole bunch of stuff so we're not even going to bother with that so let's start with assuming it's Brown again at quarterback this week what do the Ravens have that they can do differently in this football game? I have a few things, but I'm, I'd love to hear from you. Yeah, I, I mean, it starts with Mark Andrews, clearly. you know, And a guy who seemed really banged up in the middle of the year is going to be a lot healthier. You know, Brown... Brown loves to tear down his first reads, which is one of his one of his problems as a quarterback. And so Mark Andrews gives you huge value in that regard. Um, and I think that's one of them. Figure out how to use him, how to layer that piece in. I think obviously J.K. Dobbins, again, is another one where we saw him be really effective in a lot of these games in the traditional running scheme that we already had. So you just get... There, there's And Zeitler playing in this game also is a Should bonus help. as well. So you, you, get, you get three big value add pieces um, just from just from an injury standpoint before you even kind of look at what scheme looks like for me I think I would also take a look from a scheme perspective about cutting the field in half like Brown is Brown has not been terribly effective at reading kind of the entirety of the field move the pocket use the motion use play action get under center use the boots none of those things are kind of we saw a little bit of the RPO, like you said, but like those kind of things weren't part of what we saw, um, you know, in this first game against Cincinnati, all that can be layered in and is a very unique approach to what Cincinnati saw on film last week. Whereas I think we're going to get the exact same offense this upcoming week that we saw. Mm-hmm. We, we saw Cincinnati's offense for what it was. And I don't think there's a whole lot more to it because Roquan is going to be able to shut Joe Mixon down um, or the running game down much more than they were in week five. And so the Ravens have this ability to add all these kind of cheat codes of what you do for, Look, just go back and look at what the Titans did in their last game against the Jaguars. I know they didn't win, but like go do go, go do exactly that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's what I would say the advantage is. <laughs> well, we didn't see the Bengals get super huge against the Ravens. Um, probably played a f- more more looks uh, with more heavies. They certainly have a lot of d- a different rotating linemen. Uh, being in a in a four three is a little different, obviously. Uh, but they, uh, you know, they. They may have things they pull out, and they certainly have things I think on offense they're going to pull out against the Ravens. I think that they're they're probably going to go to a lot of ten personnel in this game. They they tried with Hayden Hurst. Hayden Hurst had five targets for fourteen yards, two point eight yards per target. I don't think they're going to be that generous the next time around. He's a great matchup for Hamilton if they put that little guy Irwin out there, number sixteen, um, and and then they have two slot receivers effectively. If Boyd is healthy, then they have you know. A, a, a 10 personnel package that, that actually is potentially very damaging. They could even just run that empty. It's probably, probably makes more sense to run it with Mixon because you can still run out of that. But, but also would it be okay if you run it empty as a one personnel 
have Hurst in there as a fifth receiver, and then and then you know a linebacker's got to cover Hurst, and that becomes a more a more difficult assignment, or you're in zone. Yeah, no, I, I mean it, it'll be interesting to see what wrinkles that the Bengals bring in, but if we can keep Joe Mixon under three yards of carry, which is what we saw in this last game, just forcing them into kind of the dimensionality of having to pass is the difference, and that's the thing that the Ravens. I mean, I I don't have the numbers here in front of me. I can pull it up. Mm-hmm. I, I can't remember how many times Anthony Brown threw the ball in this game. It was too many. Forty-four. It, it, yeah. <laughs> 40, 40, 42, actually, plus four sacks, 46 uh, times. He also had two spikes in there. That was the deduction of two from that. So, uh, yeah, it's, a, it's an absurd number of plays uh, for him to drop back. They did have 75 offensive plays, so they ran the ball 29 times, I guess out of that or maybe it was 27 including the spikes uh it was it was it was way too many i i, I do want to talk a little bit about going back going back to that for a second ample time and space they had 13 times 28 percent, probably a little lower than normal seven of 13 complete by the way going seven of 13 with a three second pocket is completely unacceptable <laughs> and and a lot of this goes to brown's accuracy issues you saw in the game not bad in terms of yards per play eight and a half yards per play Again, kind of small sample size, but you know, 13 passes, 10, 11, that's the kind of number of completions you want when you're talking about those throws. I mean, it's it's supposed to be guys open down the field in that amount of time. Yeah, I mean, it, it's it's challenging to evaluate this. I think some of this, and, and I've seen some screenshots from how the Ravens decide to run routes. There were some plays where you just it's like what what like, what are you guys doing why are you all standing next to each other which happens every week so that's not on brown in those situations if they're you know and i don't know what these 13 pass situations look like some of it is that brown was super inaccurate some of it is brown's brown he takes so long to throw the ball that his yeah. load up time is absurd and so what was what was ample time and space in the pocket gets elapsed from when he starts to throw the ball to when a guy can close within his space which is part of his i think some of his accuracy issues um great come with that and so you know you throw all that in together and i guess i would all i say all that just that i'm not that surprised <laughs> he's he's on the back hip of the receiver just all freaking day in this and and it, it if he had led receivers by probably an average of another yard yard and a half He'd have had several additional completions in there. The ball in the end zone to Robinson might have been completed. Uh, the the ball that was the interception to Robinson the first time, at least is probably not an interception, but probably is caught by Robinson. That's hard to predict because Robinson had a terrible day of catching the football. But uh, it, I think he was in a position to to make a play on that. Uh, there's there's a there's a combination of things going on, but you're right. Processing speed incredibly poor for Brown. That it's it's read time, it's load time, it's it's decision time, it's all of that, and uh, it, it all needs to get faster. You know, hopefully having every rep under center this week, after having failed against the same team, is going to give him an idea of what needs to change. I don't know if he can, but it'll give him an idea of what needs to change the second time around, and also give. You know, maybe Roman, an idea of what can work and what will what won't work if we're in the twenty or fifty percent that Brown actually plays this game. Yeah, that's why I I, I mean way more under center. Um, you know, if Brown is there for me, it's boots, it's action, roll, roll rights, you know, mm-hmm. take take some of those options away, give him easier reads, let him have outs that are are simple, and then it's get the ball out. You know, if you've got the ball in your hands for more than two seconds. You have it in your hands too long. That's the that's the Burrow method. How about throwing the ball to the outside? And we saw that from Joe Burrow all game long. We also saw it in the first game in Baltimore. Just tons of ball out quick. Gets rid of the ball like nobody else's like nobody's business. But a lot of that's by design. Is that they have a lot of wide receiver screens, a lot of little swing passes and screens. Would you change the script for Brown to include more of that? Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I, I I would have changed the script quite some time ago for <laughs> the Ravens offense as a whole to script in more of this, you know, there, mm-hmm. there's not enough designed short, quick passing to take relief off of other places on the offense. And this seems like the easy way to do it. If you have Brown starting in this game. So the other thing that, that um, we didn't see much of, but we did see at least once, maybe twice in this game uh, was true. Turn your back play action. Now the Ravens have over the last four years during the Roman era have, have run relatively little in the way of true turn your back play action most of it's front forward facing fakes and a little bit of it is all the way into the mesh and out rpo kind of 
kind of things. But most of it is these, you know, little check, hand checky kind of forward facing fakes that, that have a l- much lower chance to fool the defense. Brown on one play, at least, was out of the pocket and completely fooled the defense on a boot. And it reminds me of, you know, what I always say about, about Lamar is Lamar's too mobile to ever fool anyone, uh, the backside edge defender on a, on a, on a boot. If you boot him, that back backside edge defender has been schooled all weeks that that he's got to chase Lamar down. Period. Well, on that play, now he got a little block from the from the tight end on that side. I forget who it was, whether it was Kolar or or uh, even Ricard or whoever it might have been. But but it, he had a huge ample time and space opportunity out of that particular play. Yeah, I I think we you know all those things. I, I think even if Lamar is playing, I. Like, again, I think it's the you can have the same game plan, and it mm-hmm. is so different from what you have been throwing. It's this, it, this ability to have two different types of offense. Look, if Lamar is 100% healthy, comes back, practices in full on Wednesday, doesn't wear a brace, no swelling, and we get full board Lamar, that's a completely different offense than Cincinnati saw last week. If you go and change to this kind of like more play action, under center, run heavy, Tennessee style from what we saw from them. That's also a complete change from what they saw last week. Mm-hmm. That's a, that's a huge advantage to the Ravens offense in this game um, in a way that the Bengals offense won't have that over at the Ravens defense. Okay. All right. I, I, uh, if you do it, if you do it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They can do some of it. One of the things that, that they've been very effective against Lamar at, and I don't know if they would continue in a game where Lamar is coming off an injury like this is basically green dogging i'll call it or delayed blitzing from the spy as soon as lamar indicates he's going to leave the pocket so it might even be that the the inside linebacker reads that the left tackle is kind of getting bold so stanley's kind of doing his traditional mirroring giving ground into lamar and immediately logan wilson who's the seems to be the one who it, it is often but it can be it could be Davis Gaither as well. It could be others. Will will then come in and uh, take away space that Lamar could use under normal circumstances, and he might be either reluctant to use in this game or less able to use uh, just because of his situation with his injury. So I, I, I am a little bit concerned about that. Um, it could also be the Bengals say, "Well, wait a minute, Lamar's not the same threat he was. He can't." juke us in the way he did or every every juke he he makes we're probably happy that he does because it's an injury risk to him um they may say we're just going to take our chances with that have our guys play a more safe spy position mirror lamar and his reduced movement is going to also reduce his ability to, to use his leverage reading effectively and i still think that even if that's the situation and it's a li- very limited lamar yeah and they're correct about that that's they're better off than brown <laughs> well i you're i i'm i'm sure you're right about that we all want to see that be the case i just honestly my my feeling is brown is the most likely starter in this game and and uh, it's a sad situation but it is what it is and and if if lamar is on the injury report as a full or limited tomorrow i'm going to be Every bit as excited as you are, I guarantee you about that, Jordan. I'm just, I'm just, I got to hold the line and manifest this into an existence, Ken. <laughs> okay. Let's say if that would help, if you, if it's even, a, let's say there's a 2% chance that you're correct. I'm all on board. We got to manifest this. <laughs> existence. All right. Let's talk a little bit about scheme in this game and, and, and what the Ravens did. Um, talked about more pony involved in, in the, in the next game, play action, sixth offensive lineman be another thing. We haven't seen that really. Uh, in the game against the Bengals, but uh, Ben Cleveland was in there to start that game for Zeitler. I thought it was one of the interesting things to really try and beat him up. To, to I think to beat up the Bengals. I don't think it was just about Zeitler. Yeah, I, I mean, and they they did. They I mean, they went right at Reader. I mean, they went right at. Like, I mean, they they did in a lot of ways, kind of try and go at them. But that, that if that's the case, it doesn't really make any sense why Anthony Brown threw the ball forty four times. <laughs> <laughs> So it's hard to, I, I agree with you, but it's hard to see that through in the logic of the box score. <laughs> it, that's uh, that's certainly true. It was really incredible. The Ravens won the snap battle in this game, 75 to 64. So they won by 11 snaps. And that was after that horrific start where it looked like the Ravens would, can we ever get the ball? Can we ever keep the ball? You know, you, the first quarter, they had just a handful of plays and they still won, the, won that snap count by 11 for the game. Obviously, it's a testament to the second half defense they played. It's wild. <laughs> yeah. 0 oh for 2 again on fourth down, 1 for 3 on the red zone. Something has got to fix that. They've, they've, and, and hopefully the return of Lamar is, is what would do it. But um, whoever's back there at quarterback, 
field goals are not acceptable. And in this point, when it was 27 to 13, and there was, what was it, early in the fourth quarter, maybe 12, 13 minutes left in the game, something like that. The Ravens not going for it, you know, way down 10-yard line or whatever it is on fourth and five. Unacceptable. Look, unacceptable. Right. Well, and for me, it's if your your decision to go for it early, which I was okay with it when they went for it early. Actually, I, I wasn't terribly okay with it because I didn't think they were going to convert. Like I, I don't know where you know your your calculation has to include you, <laughs> how much you think you're going to convert into that. Right. Um, but even if you thought that was the case, if you're going to do it early, then you're forcing yourself that you have to do it late, right? Because you've given up that opportunity, you know, in those situations. So you can't go for it early, not make it, and then kick late because then you're basically you're you're basically stripping yourself from a 50-50 shot to like a 25% shot, which is ultimately ended up being what happened. They would have taken the points early, not been stupid at the end of the like the the half. I mean, this game this game really should have been a one-point game. Okay, so you're saying that if they okay. kick the field goal early and they don't give up the touchdown in the on the that I I still I still cannot get over that play call. And if, if there's yeah. any play call that I was infuriated with Greg Roman for, right. that was the one. Make them burn the timeout, eat it, punt the ball. Live, they're not gonna they're not gonna try and push it down the field. And if they do, maybe you get a turnover, right? Yeah, it, it, I, that I, was I, perplexing. I, I look, I'm not gonna be a Roman apologist on that, but I will say this that. The Ravens really needed a first down there. They were back at their own 10-yard line or whatever. They're going to have to punt that ball with 30 seconds left. It's pretty clear to me that they're going to score. It's just they they there had to be a higher percentage get the ball down inbounds play. And I don't think there is one that involves a pass on Anthony Brown at this point. <laughs> I, I I just, I mean, you know, you can immediately pitch, be a shovel pitch kind of thing. Try that. I, sure. But I don't, I don't think there's a, there's a, there's a drop back pass. That's going to be a high percentage chance for him to, uh, you know, to create, uh, uh, to create an inbounds play. And then, yeah, anyway, that, that was very frustrating. I agree. But the, I've got just real quick, the, the fourth downs and the red zone, that that is what like hopefully the Ravens are holding something back there, you know, because if Andrews comes back, Kolar looks good enough, likely played a better game. Keep that momentum going. You've got three guys that can work inside out to the seams and even outside outside for Andrews and be successful in the right situations. Use that in those in those places to your advantage and keep the momentum going. You're activating all four tight ends then for this for this game. Oh, You're gonna uh, without a doubt. Okay, so and 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 that might make complete sense for a lot of reasons. They could they might be able to drop a wide receiver, a special teams player, uh, but the guy whose name would keep coming up in terms of a guy they drop is probably David Ajabo. So if you're going to lose a, a you know a pass rusher in exchange for that, you know it's you, you got to think. I mean, they might need one more running back in 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 this situation, right? They might need all four running backs to to be active because they're not really sure about Edwards and yeah, and I would he, certainly trade Drake for Kolar in this instance. You give up Drake, get Kolar. Okay. Yeah. All right. And, you, and so, I would keep a Jabo. I, I think, a, and, and, you know, I know we're on offense, but I think a Jabo, situationally, you're going to want him for probably five to six snaps in this upcoming game. I think he needs to be, I think he needs to be active. Okay. Get me to 22 offensive players or 23, one or the other. You've got, you've got eight offensive linemen. That's, that's guaranteed in there. You got two quarterbacks that's guaranteed in there effectively. That gives you 10. Now you've got either 13 or 12 you can take at the other positions. What, you're, you're taking four tight ends, right? Mm-hmm. You're taking some number of wide receivers we won't designate, and you're taking three running backs and one fullback. Correct. So I've got I've got that at eight plus ten is eighteen. So you could have five wide receivers to twenty three, or four wide receivers and go with twenty two. And, and I'd be okay the, with four wide receivers unless they needed them on on special teams. I would be okay with four wide receivers. Okay, so Prochet they probably need on special teams, so that immediately hurts your wide receiver core. <laughs> then you have so uh, another guy they want on so on special teams is is Wallace. So you might end up with four wide receivers out of that, and it's the big three: Watkins, um, Robinson, and who am I forgetting? Prochet, Prochet. Actually, Deshaun Jackson is gone now, isn't he? So yeah, Deshaun Jackson is gone. That's not that's not a concern. So I'm trying to think of I, I just um, I, I'm trying to figure yeah, out how it. they. Okay. You know, and I'm okay with I. You know, I, I Wallace is. I'm I'm willing to trade the special teams pieces, kick it into the end zone. Don't like like let them have the touchbacks, right? Isolate mm-hmm. it to punts. Look, you you draft Jordan Stout for a reason. Directionalize the punts. 
just narrow down what special teams are going to have to be for this game, but you've got to find a way to be more successful in the red zone. You know, what, whatever sure. it takes that, that, that is a much bigger difference maker right now for the Ravens than anything special teams has given them. Cause it's special teams hasn't been not been enough to carry them to the wins that they need up to this point. So something in my opinion, you got to make some kind of change there. Yeah, I, 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 I agree I with you. You're probably, yeah. they probably won't. So this is, you know, so we'll see. So it's, I mean, there is a legitimate question whether it's a fourth wide receiver, a fourth running back, um, sorry, a fifth wide receiver, a fourth running back, or even a fourth tight end. I think all those three are probably on the line right now. And Kolar was inactive for a long time, even though he played well. It could be Kolar or Oliver. Don't think it will be. I think it'll be Oliver if it's one of those two. I do too. But, but uh, Kolar's just this pig. He, he's a big target (laughs) and he's a guy that you know if you had to in those moments and and andrews and likely are getting that extra attention that you could throw it up to um you know i I, you know they just have to figure out what they're doing in the red zone and just be be more intentional about it it feels like they get really passive and they get really tight when they get down there and so maybe it's not personnel but you're right that it's got to be figured out because that that ultimately will be the difference in this game one way or the other lamar no lamar all right all right, outstanding. Uh, anything else I want to talk about here? Let me see. The low, low penalty total was pretty good, but the Bengals did even better. And in fact, that's one of the big problems is the, the Ravens did not force the Bengals into any offensive penalties. They had two personal fouls on the same play. You know, the Ravens extended a drive of theirs with a defensive pass interference on Queen, I believe. And uh, and the problem was that the Ravens need high variance plays on defense. And they had trouble getting those in the first half when the Bengals were moving the ball effectively. And that was a, a, a significant concern. They need, they need the ability to get the Bengals off the field. And that takes sacks, penalties, you know, streaks of incompletions, which are, which are much more difficult. And there's one, one more that I'm forgetting here that's important. But, I, but uh, uh, sacks, penalties... No, there's there's something else I'm forgetting that that <laughs> that that's a that's a big one anyway. Turnovers, turnovers. Yeah, so, so they obviously they, they didn't get any turnovers other than the the the, the fumble. They they did get uh, a, a two sacks, I guess. One of them, which was a turnover, and and the penalties are the thing they got nothing of. So it became much harder for them to stop drives. And with Joe Burrow, he's just too accurate to to depend on streaks of incompletions carrying you to off the field situations. The, the thing they did well against the Bengals they hadn't done always against other teams was to create some nice downhill tackles on plays. And this is really, like really unusual, but Roquan Smith had four drive-ending plays in this game. All four of them came on tackles. Think about how unusual that is. You know, it's, They've got to be tackles short of the sticks or tackles on runs where they try to run it on third down. To have four in one game, first of all, is a lot, but second of all, is an incredible number for there to be plays that, that there was a, a you know, yardage to be gained but they didn't make it to the sticks well cincinnati likes to run those kind of like flat route where they're throwing nearly lateral with some kind of blocker flaring out and whether Mm -hmm. that's the tight end or the wide receivers and getting somebody behind that and trying to use that block to pick up the first down they did that really effectively um on the first couple drives and and i think roquan started to sniff that out and there was some kind of tell or indicator that that he felt like was going to give him an edge in that regard. And I think a couple of the stops at least were in those kind of situations. Um, and so, you know, I think, I think that his recognition and look, giving Roquan an extra game against Cincinnati. So this was his first game against Cincinnati too. Mm-hmm. So giving him two games back to back to read those tendencies after he had as big of a game as he did could certainly be a big difference maker there. Well, we, we, and we assume that, but of course now in the Cincinnati film room, they're looking at how the hell did Roquan Smith do what he just did to us and then try to figure it out too. So we've got to, we've got to figure that out. I think that's why I think it's not, not why I think, I think the Ravens cornerback situation is why the, the Bengals are going to play a lot of 10 personnel this week, but I'm just, it's the Bengals have still at least as much ammunition to bring out of the closet in terms of, of what they can change as the Ravens do. The Ravens have a lot of improvement to make, which is, which is, you know, something I guess to look forward to that, Hey, Brown was so terrible. He he, is a lot of ways that he could improve in, in this next game. Yeah, totally including agree. if he turns into Lamar Jackson all of a sudden. <laughs> my favorite option. Yeah, you're, as, as my favorite option, too. Um, let's talk about the running backs for a second. Drake obviously got the bulk of the snaps in this game with 51. He'll get 17, Edwards 5. No 
none on six plays, I believe, in one pony backfield. Uh, so it's an interesting, uh, interesting division of the workload. Um, Hill, they're still not really using. And I wonder if he might be a player they have more in mind for in this next game. Your go-to place for wild card round action is DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. To kick off the road to Super Bowl 57, new customers can bet just $5 and get 200 in free bets instantly. Plus, all new and existing customers can get a no-sweat bet each day of the wild card round this weekend. Just place any NFL bet of your choice, and if it loses, you'll get a free bet back up to $10. Download the DraftKings Sportsback app and use the code FILM. New customers can bet $5 on the NFL and get 200 in free bets instantly. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook with the code FILM. Please play responsibly. For help, visit mdgamblinghelp.org or call 1-800-GAMBLER, 21+. Physically present in Maryland, bonus bonus issued as free bets, one free bet issued based on amount of initial losing NFL bet up to $10. Eligibility, wagering, and deposit restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash MD for full terms and conditions. Oh, Ken, I feel like you're overthinking it. <laughs> yes, I probably am. Seven seven carries for 34 for Hill. Uh, he did not catch the ball. And Drake, by the way, did not catch the ball either, although he did have a, had two catches on five targets. But he, he had a way of dropping the ball in this one too. Yeah, I, I mean, I I would love to see. I mean, Hill has been running really violently and, and really quick with the ball. He looked great on some of these kind of quarterback draws in a game that mm-hmm. we saw earlier this year. Um I can't remember which game that was, but you know, yeah, it, they uh, were his draws, right? They're the draws to Hill. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, um, you know, all of those could be things that they were saving him up for. I hope so. Um, you know, in this process, but the intent that Drake is not going to be active this upcoming week, let's try and keep everybody healthy. And, you know, if Edwards isn't going to play, then we're going to ask Hill to take those reps next week. So we're going to try and keep him healthy. Hopefully you're right. I, I just tend to think that, the Ravens so, have the Ravens have not done a good job of setting up <laughs> what they're trying to do in future weeks with with what they've done the previous week. So I'm not saying it won't happen, but I'm not counting on it. So so if we saw um, Dobbins active and Edwards not, what would be your expectation of division of carries? Something like, um, say, Drake getting 17 and Dobbins Dobbins being you know, 25 to 30. No, I think I think it would look like the Pittsburgh game with Dobbins getting most of the touches and Hill getting 10 to 15 and Drake being there if they need him. Okay, I think I'm not talking touches now, I'm talking snaps, but but I think Okay, snaps, th- sure. Th- that we, yeah. we might actually be close on on in terms of what we're saying then. So I think So if it's I, 60 snaps, I'd say that 45 snaps to Dobbins and 15 snaps to Hill would be kind of their intent. And then if they needed Drake to be the spell in between there, he would be kind of like the third guy. Okay. Okay, that's interesting. I, I would I, if if what you're saying is true, and the Ravens really need Drake to to be the exploiter of holes, and they don't really believe Hill can do it because they've shown no belief that Hill is the guy, even though he seems to have characteristics that they could really use to the outside. Dobbins lacks the long speed. Maybe Drake has a little bit of that long speed. We don't. I think you and I, in our discussions previously, would agree that Drake has not shown nearly the capability that Dobbins has at the line of scrimmage to exploit holes. He makes some bad decisions there. That may also be true of Hill, but Hill at least brings an additional uh, speed and ability to stretch the field horizontally. And I think Hill is the perfect pony back. I think you line him up, you know, flanked out wide, uh, you know, guy in motion. You can uh, Ravens use a lot of their motion, obviously, on tight ends. Uh, But you you can do things with Hill that will create value as a motion player and use him as in pony that way. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I, I generally agree with you. I think, you know, I would like to think that he'll would get the reps in a, in a game of importance before Drake. <laughs> I'm just saying I, I can't, I, I'm not going to run anything past Greg Roman. If he's going to put Pat Ricard on the field 70% of the time, you know, every single game and refuse to reduce that role for him, regardless of the fact that we think that it can be effective, he's just going to do what he wants to do. How many did Ricard play that many snaps with 44 passes? If he had Ricard on the field that much, I'm going to be seriously concerned. He played. It was over 65 percent on the year, though, wasn't it? Or at least going into week 18. 
I, I, that certainly might be true. For 51% in this game. One of the things about this game that was very different from the rest of the season is that the Ravens never had trailed big the whole season coming into this game. And I, I think that's correct. I can't think of a game where they even trailed by two touchdowns at any time. Yeah. So, that's right. I mean, this is, by the way, this is not a bad football team. Okay. They really are not. They're, they're, they, they have, you know, legitimately outstanding defense and, you know, an offense that, during the Lamar period of the season was exceptional in the league. The league's having a, like a slightly down offensive year and Lamar is having a, a slightly down year, but it's good enough that, that the Ravens are one of the better offenses in football too. And the Ravens, the problem has been blowing leads. It hasn't been trailing by a lot. Yeah. All right. Well, and, and I just look, even if they're trailing by 10, run the <laughs> ball, run the ball, run the ball. Even if you're trailing by 14, run the ball. Unless there's less than five minutes left in the game, just don't like just run the ball. <laughs> okay. And, and this is, uh, this is in a Brown offense, not in a Lamar offense, even in a Lamar off. Well, Whoa, maybe, okay. maybe less so in a Lamar offense, but yeah, like, like the, the, the Ravens were even effective running the ball in this game. And yet we saw 44 pass attempts. I, I still can't believe that. Like uh-huh. I hadn't looked at the box. Right? I like, it's still, I still can't believe that, you know? I mean, just the, the, the game situation obviously played a big role in that. And, and, uh, if you're still feeling like you're going to not throw the ball, I, I just I, some of the stuff just boggles the mind. Obviously, the stuff at the end of the half didn't make any sense to me either. Anyway, not, not <laughs> said. Yeah, uh, two point two seven heavies per play in this game. Now, I've been following this situation all year. Of course, the Ravens have played. Now they've closed out the season. They play the heaviest that any team has played in the last six years by a wide margin, uh, and it's by like approximately 0.3, but probably slightly more than 0.3 heavies per play more than the 2019 Vikings, who were the second most. Uh, it's absolutely just an incredible thing to watch, the Ravens' lack of willingness to ever put receivers on the field. I got nothing to say, Ken. Nothing nothing <laughs> to say. So the, the Bengals, are, are a committed 11 team, effectively, uh, almost never use anything but that. I mean, that's it, what they do. Uh, they could be a 10 team if they wanted to, probably, but, but they're a committed 11 team. Uh, and, and the Ravens, you know, just very strange in this regard. Let me give you one other thing. One other thing the Ravens could do offensively to change up the, the, the pace of play this game. What if they did some no huddle? I'd I love no huddle. I, well, and, and what, what is there's a there's a myth between the idea that no huddle means that you have to snap the ball immediately when you get to the line sure. of scrimmage. And there was something that happened in this game. The Ravens broke the huddle at one point during the first quarter with 28 seconds left on the play mm-hmm. clock. And I almost fell out of my chair because I can't remember a single time with Lamar that the Ravens, when they weren't in no huddle, broke the play, broke the huddle that quickly. Um, and then the, what did they do? They turned around and they ran the snap as fast as they possibly could. Like they snapped the ball with 17 seconds left on the play clock. And it's like, use this to your advantage. Even if you're just going to motion guys around and bring them back to the original right. location, you can put all kinds of window dressing. You can spend as much time as you want don't let them sub, right? I think that's important, right? Because the Ravens, that, that's the what it's all about. Subbing yeah. lets them sub, right? So there's yeah. an advantage in that regard. And then if you have an advantage that is for you immediately, then take it. Like if it's if it's too, like like let Brown reduce his reads. If it's there, it's there. If not, just check it into a run. Or I don't know. I totally agree with you though. Okay, so I, I just want to go through this because because the, the game book actually has what a shotgun and no huddles. So in the second quarter, the Ravens ran their first. No huddle of the game. It was on the third drive, and Oliver had an illegal shift, <laughs> on, which broke up a four-yard pass. Okay. Then they ran the second about four plays later. Drake left tackle one yard. Two plays later, no huddle again. Drake right guard for one yard. And then on the final drive, where they eventually got themselves into the – no, actually, they did not run a no huddle on the reverse touchdown drive, the, the sack fumble touchdown drive. And then they did not run, run no huddle even on the last drive with 30 seconds left because they, I don't know why, but it's not listed as no huddle. I'm not sure. I'm not sure this is correct now. I, I will say this. <laughs> there, there I, were cor- I, I bet it's correct yet. <laughs> All right. But anyway, uh, uh, great stuff. Always great to talk football with you. Uh, we're going to come back for part two. We're going to talk a lot about a lot of other things, including the offensive line, some individual performance of players that got overshadowed by all our discussion of Brown and our hopes for next week and the chance that Lamar will play. But Jordan, just great talking football with you. Tell folks again where they can find your stuff and a little bit about the show. 
Yeah, you can find me at Raven Sit Room on Twitter. Um, we've got a podcast that's on Ken's site, Ken's site filmstudybaltimore.com, called The Situation Room, where we try and break down the game, some of the situational stuff that happened, and, and get some quick content out there for you right after the game. All right. Really appreciate it. Great stuff. Gabe and Jordan, two of my favorite people to talk football with. Uh, if you're out there, you'd like to do a film study short, hit me up on Twitter. DMs are always open. I'd love to hear from you, and uh, I'll get back to you very quickly. Jordan, thanks again for coming on. Thanks for having me, Ken. I'll talk to you in part two in just a few minutes. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.